Welcome to the show. John Scholes here, as always, joining you and joining us on the Monday is Alex Lucifero, courtesy Sanfiru Tamark and LLP. You want to reach out to uh, Alex anytime when we're uh, not doing this half hour of making you smarter. You could do so. 1-855-821-5900. Again, that number, 1-855-821-5900. Toll free, of course. Reach Alex anytime. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. You can always go to the website. We love it, called pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That was built and constructed uh, for you to have access to employment law information on your own time, absolutely free and anonymously as well. You'll have... uh, gained access to by going to that website of the severance calculator. It does exactly what it's meant to do, calculates the proper amount of severance you should get in the event that you were let go from your job and offered a meager pittance, which is usually what happens when companies are trying to save a few shekels and get rid of you quickly. But uh, you know better now, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Use the app and use the website to your advantage. Here and now, call in. we got phone lines about, uh, I don't know, seven or eight of them, more than that, open, ready for your phone calls tonight. If you have questions about your job life, employment law questions, bring them on. Could be for you or a colleague, a son, daughter, family member, doesn't matter. We're here to answer them over the next 30-416-870-6400. 416-870-6400. No reason to be bashful. Be that third voice on the air. Join us on air. And usually your questions are uh, probably wondered by thousands of others, so you're doing everybody a good turn by uh, talking to us here on the show uh, on the show today. The main topic will be employment law, true or false, Alex. But before that, the uh, case of the day, something you've been uh, wanted to talk about, pal. What do you got? Thanks very much, John. Back at it for another week, another edition of the world-famous Employment Law Show. Great to be back live on the air, uh, as usual, talking workplace rights, severance, temporary layoffs, constructive dismissals, harassment in the workplace, you name it, if it has to do with your work and with your employment rights, we obviously cover it all here on this this very show. Uh, Still getting a ton of questions every single day, John. It doesn't stop, uh, really, just a barrage of questions, whether it's online or calls at the office, questions from employees who have been let go. Unfortunately, we're seeing uh, most recently, John, lots of people being let go from uh, their jobs across many sectors. Uh, still getting a ton of questions about temporary layoffs, employers illegally, illegitimately, temporarily laying off employees, uh, lots of workplace safety stuff, lots of harassment in the workplace uh, stuff. I mean, really, regardless of the issue, uh, we speak with uh, and help so many people with their employment situations every day. And listen, that's what we're here to do tonight. Until 7 p.m., we're here to take your calls, answer any questions you have. So please feel free to call in. Don't be shy. There are absolutely no bad questions when it comes to employment law. We want to hear from you. We're here to help in any way we can. And as you said, John, to get us uh, warmed up and started for the week, let's talk about the case of the day. It's uh, an opportunity to talk about a matter that came across my desk just this afternoon. Uh, John spoke with a very nice uh, fellow in his early uh, 50s who had recently been dealing with a performance improvement plan. Another issue, John, that we're actually seeing more and more of nowadays, it appears that employers are ramping up their use of what we call the PIP or a PIP, what's, what's referred to as a performance improvement plan, where if an employee's productivity uh, or output or sales quotas you know, are, are, are not being met, if their targets aren't being met, these employees are being put on a plan effectively. And the goal here, John, is supposed to be for these employees to improve their performance. So these plans, the purpose of these plans, are that they, they're meant to actually help an employee improve their pro- productivity or improve their performance. 
Unfortunately, John, what we see almost always, if not always, is that these performance improvement plans are really just an employer trying to create uh, the justification for a termination. And unfortunately, that's what I saw today with this gentleman. He was on a performance improvement plan for the past two months, John, so pretty much since the start of this year. And lo and behold, John, he was doing well. Lots more of the Employment Law Show. The Monday Night Edition is coming right up. Hang on. Uh, employmentlawyer.ca. You want to go to that website. You just want a quick contact or phone call one 821 5900. Before we got to snip there for a second, Alex, uh, just continue on with what you were talking about. Maybe go uh, over some broad strokes about your case of the day. Go ahead. Yeah, technical difficulties, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, uh, John. But we were talking about a uh, performance improvement uh, uh, plan, and, and uh, this gentleman that I was speaking with this afternoon uh, was really doing quite well in his employment. He was meeting his sales target as a sales executive. And despite that, John, they uh, effectively failed his performance improvement plan completely legitimately, obviously, if he was doing well, and terminated his employment anyway. So, you know, I, I think the moral of the story here for employees is that in many circumstances, if not, you know, I would say almost every single circumstance, when an employee is deal- dealing with a performance improvement plan, the writing is likely on the wall, uh, uh, John, that that employee is going to be terminated. It's likely the employer trying to find justification for termination in those circumstances. The good news for those employees, John, if there's a silver lining, is that those employees who are being let go, even if they were on a performance improvement plan, even if the employer is citing performance as the reason for termination, those employees are still going to be owed severance. There's really no question about it. Severance is going to be based on an employee's age, position, and years of service. Uh, and even in this gentleman's case, as a one-year employee, one-and-a-half-year employee or so, he's still looking at significant severance. He's going to be looking at three to six months of severance even and despite the fact that he was only with the company for a short period of time, his severance is still going to be significant and he's going to need that time to hold him over until he can find his next job. Do not be fooled by performance improvement plans. Don't assume that when your employer lets you go for that reason that you're not owed any severance or that the employer is justified in letting you go or or not offering any severance whatsoever. That's nonsense. An employee is still going to be owed severance even if they're dealing with performance issues and they're let go. All right, getting into the uh, employment law, true or false. Number one, if you are disabled and can't work, your employer can hire someone to replace you. Give me some details on that. Well, I'd have to say that's true, uh, John, simply because an employer does need to replace an employee who's taken taken a medical uh, leave of absence. That position needs to be filled or those job responsibilities need to be taken care of. And so there's absolutely nothing wrong with an employer um, you know, replacing that employee while the other employee is on a medical leave of absence. What an employer can't do, John, and you know this very well, or long-time listeners will know this very well as well, is that you cannot uh, then uh, deny the employee who's returning from a medical leave of absence. You cannot deny them their position when returning from a medical leave. You have to put that employee who is returning in the same position on the same terms of employment they left. It doesn't matter that you might like the replacement better than you like that employee. The employee returning, any employee for that matter, returning from a medical leave of absence has the right to return to the same terms of employment uh, that they left, whether that's their position or their pay or their hours of work or any other uh, terms of employment, that is a must. If an employer doesn't do that, 
that is discrimination on the basis of disability not only is that employee going to be owed severance they're also going to be owed additional damages for the way in which they were treated in in breach of the human rights code in Ontario Employment law, true or false, number two. By the way, anytime during this conversation, you can call us, 416-870-6400 here live on air. Number two, you have to accept a demotion as long as your pay is not reduced. Mm. Oh, that's a good one. Absolutely not. Absolutely uh, uh, false. And our laws are very, very clear on this, actually, John. This is a bit of a no-brainer, quite frankly, for uh, for a seasoned employment lawyer such as myself. A change in position... Uh, or just even if it's not a necessarily a change to your position or to your title, John, even a change to your job responsibilities in and of itself without any other changes to your pay or any other terms of your employment can be what's called a constructive dismissal. It's effectively a breach of contract. Your employer is not allowed to change your job responsibilities or your duties or your position in a significant way. And again, that's regardless of the pay. Your pay can be staying the same. If you are being demoted uh, from one position to another, that's going to be a constructive dismissal that is illegal. Uh, As an employee, you have effectively two options in that situation. You can accept the position change if you'd like. I wouldn't recommend it, uh, John, but you can accept that demotion if you like. I wouldn't because ultimately your pay might be changing in the future at some point anyway. Or the far better option would be, again, to reject the change. If you reject the change and say, no, absolutely not, I'm not accepting this position change, your employer has two choices. They can either back down, uh, John, and say, okay, fine, we're not changing your position. And I've seen that happen plenty. Sometimes it requires our involvement. It requires an employment lawyer to step in and say, hey, employer, you can't do that. Uh, Or alternatively, uh, if the employer tries to really press the change, you would be uh, you would be in a position as an employee to uh, receive your severance entitlements, mm-hmm. get your proper severance based on your age, position, and years of service, and get moving on to new employment. That is going to be, in most cases, the better play. Simply because, and we've again we've said this on many occasions, John, if you're accepting one kind of change to the terms of employment or one change to your position. It's possible, John, that in the future, the employer tries to do this again, and if they've done it once, they might be able to get away with it twice, or a third time, or a fourth time. So that first time that a major change happens to the terms of your employment, as an employee, you need to have the guts to stand up for yourself and say, no, I'm not accepting this position. Or if you're not sure what to do, guess what? Give us a call. Let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. You have way more rights when it comes to the changes to your employment than you think you do as an employee. Do not feel compelled to just do whatever your employer is telling you to do. On lots of occasions, that'll be a constructive dismissal. And again, you have lots of options in those kinds of circumstances. You mentioned a call. Want to grab a call? We got some time. Cheryl, thanks for standing by. How are you this evening? I'm good. Thank you very much. No worries. What's Uh, on your mind? So on March 7th, I was let go from my position. I was on modified duties recommended by a doctor that were agreed to by the company, and I wonder if I have a case for discrimination under human rights. Cheryl, are, are you, was this a unionized position or a non-unionized position? It's non-union. Non-union, okay. So certainly if 
Even 1%, Cheryl, of the decision to let you go was related to the fact that you needed accommodation in the workplace. If the justification for letting you go was at all related to your accommodations or your physical limitations uh, and, uh, you know, and, and uh, related to those issues, then absolutely you would have a claim uh, of discrimination. Absolutely that would be a violation of the Human Rights Code. An employer actually has quite a high burden in these situations to accommodate an employee. Uh, and so even if it was difficult for the employer to accommodate uh, you, uh, they still had to. There's no, there's no way to get, a, get away with that situation. And if they let you go to relieve themselves of that obligation, Cheryl, that is absolutely discrimination. Now the question is, of course, what was the justification for their termination? I'll give you perhaps an opposite example here, which is, you know, if your role was made redundant and there are, the position simply doesn't exist anymore, or if your department closed and therefore the reason for termination was completely unrelated to uh, your accommodations, well, then that wouldn't be discrimination. An employer would still have the right uh, to let you go in those circumstances, regardless of your limitations. Do you have any sense Cheryl, of what the reason for termination was? I Cheryl? believe yeah. I believe that I was terminated because there were parts of the job I could not do while I was on modified duties. When I asked, as per the Ministry of Labor, why they let me go, even if it, though it was without cause. The answer was that when I was hired a year and almost two years ago, I was the right fit for the position. Now that the job has evolved, which, by the way, it hasn't, I am no longer the right fit. And the reason I'm no longer the right fit is because I can't do what I used to do. So that, that of course, Cheryl, does not pass the smell test at all for me. I think that's quite concerning, and I think that's... Uh, an employer, you know, really terminating uh, an employee that requires accommodations because they can't be bothered anymore, and that's just, you know, patently unacceptable. So I, I think, I think where there's smoke, there's fire in in this respect. How long had you been with this company for, Cheryl? Almost two years, and I'm wondering if I'm better to make re make an application to the HRTO or to get a lawyer. Well, I, I think your first step would be to have a conversation uh, with uh, with one of our lawyers. Let's talk about those various options. Oftentimes, it is uh, advantageous to deal with these issues globally. So deal with your severance entitlements and any human rights issues as a global settlement. But we can talk through those issues uh, certainly. Listen, even as a two-year employee, Cheryl, your severance entitlements are going to be significant. We have the human rights issue over and above that. I, and I think, as I mentioned, I think there are some serious concerns there. My suggestion, Cheryl, before you do anything, before you file a human rights complaint or, or do absolutely anything, give us a call at the office. John will give you the number. Let's have a quick chat confidentially. Let's just talk about your options. No commitment. More than happy to, to have a, a chat with you in that respect. Let's figure out what your best option is uh, and take it uh, from there. I think that, you know, that has to be your step number one. Thank you very much. Cheryl, thank you for the uh, the call this evening. Well done. That number, by the way, I give it out throughout the show, one 821 5900 Again, one 821 
821-5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca to reach out through email. There you go. This is a perfect example, Alex, of, uh, you know, uh, an employer possibly thinking, no, nah, no, I won't get caught doing this. That this is actually part of the reason, even a small percentage of the reason, because of that disability and the fact that you couldn't uh, be up to snuff, I guess, from their viewpoint, right? Not a good idea. Absolutely right, uh, John. And again, I've, I've said it, uh, I've said it already, but you, you know, the bar here for employers, as uncomfortable as it might be, is very, very high, uh, right? You have to treat employees who are either on medical leave of absence or returning from a medical leave or who require accommodation in the workplace in the form of part-time hours or perhaps like Cheryl, there are certain things that she can do and certain things that she can't do. Again, an employer has to play ball. Uh, John, they cannot get away with just letting an employee go because it's not convenient or treating employees differently on the basis of their accommodation needs or their medical conditions. It's not good enough for employers in 2023. Employers need to do better. And listen, there are lots that do just fine and do great. Unfortunately, Cheryl's employer isn't one of them. And I'm sure we'll get a chance to chat and and, uh, deal with that. Uh, just lining up a yeah, just lining up another call or two here. We'll uh, bounce over to our uh, employment law, true or false. Now, when you're let go, you should be getting paid for a bonus due in the future, possibly, right? Yeah, absolutely. Certainly, if bonus is a, a regular component of your compensation, uh, John. When we're talking severance, uh, we should be talking about all components of an employee's compensation package continuing for that period. So again, if bonus was a part of your compensation package and you received it, maybe quarterly or twice a year or even every year when you are let go and when we're calculating an employee's severance entitlements those bonus amounts have to be factored in there's really no uh, if ands or buts uh, about it same thing goes for commission thanks same thing goes for benefits coverage and rsp contributions you've got to throw all of those various components into the mix uh, john and those amounts could be you know significant amounts uh, on you know on months of severance, we're going to be talking about tens of thousands of dollars in a lot of cases. Want to get to a uh, call here from Alan? Alan, thanks for hanging in for a moment. How are you? Good. Good. What's on your mind, pal? Um, I was uh, wanting to quit or retire. I'm 71, and I uh, worked for the them for 23 years. I just wondered if there's any uh, any uh, rights, any uh, you know anything. Uh, that I'm entitled to when I leave. You know what, Alan? It's a question that we get uh, extremely often, uh, although it's a relatively simple one. In the case of any, you know, any res- resignation, so whether we call it a retirement or whether an employee is simply resigning uh, from their employment, there is not going to be any severance owing in the ordinary course of things. The only way in which severance may be owing. Uh, in the event of his resignation is if that employee is resigning in protest of a major change to the terms of their employment. So again, it's what we call a constructive dismissal. We were talking about it earlier in in the show. Uh, if you feel like you're left with no choice but to resign because perhaps you're being demoted in your position or your compensation is changing in a negative way or for any other major change to the terms of your employment, well, then that's something that's worth discussing because a resignation in those circumstances may very well be a termination. But if this is a resignation or a retirement, Alan, in the ordinary course of one's career and there's really nothing kind of overly complicated about it, uh, you know, listen, sounds like a long and fruitful career, but there's no, there are no severance entitlements there. Only a, uh, only a congratulations and hopefully your uh, commitment to the company is recognized and, uh, you know, off, off you go to, uh, you know, to hopefully uh, bigger and better things. 
Okay. Yeah, it's always worth checking, though. Thanks, Alan. Appreciate the uh, appreciate the call. Yeah, it's it's often that way. If you're the one pulling the plug after that many years, it's uh, you know have a great day. Hopefully, greener pastures. But yeah, you're not owed much unless they, you know want to give you something on your way out the door. Which don't know if that happens much these days. Anyway, employment law, true or false? Here we go. Fifth one is uh, your employer did not approve your overtime hours. It means you won't get paid for overtime work. Yeah, also not necessarily true, uh, uh, John. I mean, in the ordinary course of things, you do want an employer approving overtime. But if you, have, as an employee, uh, John, could show that you were, if you have evidence that you actually worked that time, right, and there is justification in doing so, right, so you're not just sitting in the workplace, you know, uh, twiddling your thumbs, right, there is actual evidence that there was work to do and work that was completed, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You don't need explicit uh, explicit acceptance or explicit uh, acknowledging that that overtime needs uh, to be worked. The proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding that there was work to do. It required you to complete it, and you did the hours. There's almost kind of an implicit acknowledgement and acceptance there that the overtime is required. So, uh, you know, listen, I would caution all employees to make sure, John, that when they're working overtime, that they're running that by management, right? Running it by their supervisor, by their management team, and getting that approval. If you have to work the overtime, and by some chance, you didn't get that formal approval from your management in writing, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Bring it to your employer's attention as quickly as possible. If they deny you, that's going to be a problem. You would still be owed that overtime uh, pay. And actually, John, uh, when it comes to things like overtime, when it comes to things like vacation pay or unpaid wages, the Ministry of Labor might be the right place to go. They're certainly not the right place to go when it comes to severance. When we're dealing with a severance issue, you want to speak with an employment lawyer. You do not, uh, absolutely do not want to go to the Ministry of Labor. But again, things like overtime, vacation pay, the Ministry of Labor might actually be to be the place to start, and you know I imagine again even without express consent from management, you'd still get that overtime paid. And with that, we are done for a Monday. Back in here tomorrow. In the meantime, that number to reach out to Alex and crew. It's uh, it's simple. You've heard it before. You know it. One eight five five eight two one. 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's the email address we use. And you can always have free access to that website, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, in the severance calculator as well. Back in here tomorrow night at 6.30. Enjoy your evening. Another edition on Tuesday of the Employment Law Show. Take care.